Welcome to this week's episode of Latchkey Movies, the podcast where we take a critical look at the movies your kids are watching without your supervision. Today, we're going to talk about the 2008 movie Wally. My name is Sarah. I'm the mom of a five-year-old boy. And I am Briar Harvey. I'm the mom of an 18-year-old young lady, a nine-year-old boy, and a three-year-old boy. Wally is one of those names that's really hard to say without trying to say it like Wally. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, and it's important because Wally is a whole designation. Mm-hmm. As are all of the other names yeah. in this movie, really. They're not names, they're designations. Right. Yep. <clears throat> so, okay, let's start with awards and the good stuff, because this movie is practically flawless in that regard, no? Which, yeah, which surprises me that it only has a 95% on Rotten Tomatoes. Like, I actually kind of expected it to be higher. I'm kind of wanting to know who that 5% yeah. is, right? Who is the 5% that doesn't like Wally? I don't know. Climate change deniers? <laughs> <laughs> That's my guess. There you go. Um, and it won the best animated feature that year. We've probably talked about it before because it won We've against Bolt. We've covered both yeah. of these movies. <laughs> it won against Bolt and Kung Fu Panda, so like literally no competition. Kung Fu Panda was pretty good. But not best animated But not, gun. no. So. And Bolt, we've obviously <laughs> bitched at length about that film. You probably know how we feel about yeah, that you, one. You if you don't, you can go back and find out exactly yeah. <laughs> how we feel about that one. So, Okay. We'll talk about the cast real briefly. There isn't much of There isn't much of a cast. And what cast there is, are they're, they're guys and gals from the hall mm-hmm. who are storied Disney vocal support cast. Mm-hmm. So they're not, with the exception, obviously, of John Ratzenberger. And Jeff Garland. And Jeff Garland. And Fred Willard. And Fred Willard. And, and Kathy and Jimmy. Yes. But relatively... And Sigourney Weaver. Well, and obviously Sigourney <laughs> Weaver, too. But, but none of them has... They have no lines. Right. They have no lines. Like, Jeff Garland probably has actually the most lines, because he mm-hmm. plays the captain. Because, like, even Wally and Eve... Are, are we going to call her Eve, or are we going to call her Eva? It, well, she's Eve. Yeah. <laughs> so, even Wally and Eve don't actually have many lines Mm-mm. beyond each other's names. They only say, like, a handful of additional words, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I would say Jeff Garland probably has the most actual dialogue. Maybe Fred Willard. Maybe Fred, just simply in all of his videos, right? right? And then John Ratzenberger and Kathy Najimy as John and Mary... And mm-hmm. they do have, they have a little bit of dialogue, but not that significant lot, amounts. No. Sigourney, obviously, as the computer, which is ironic for her, I feel, given her history with computers, at least in film. Right. 
but everybody else, and even our voice in the hall. So, Ben Burt is the guy who does Wally, and he is really technically the sound guy. He also voiced Mo. But when we say voiced, we're kind of saying them with bunny rabbit ears because they provided the vocal patterns, which were then manipulated by sound tools. Right. So what's there is not the voice, right? Right. Ben Burt is notable, I'd say, for being the guy who did the sound editing for R2-D2. Okay. So he at least has a long storied history of making... Robots make noises. Yes. Making robots make noises. That should be considered dialogue. Right. Because it's not just robots making noises. It's robots talking. Well, and I, yes, I would argue that R2-D2 is... Even if you don't know precisely what yeah. he's saying, you can intimate ideas and have right. all the way through the series of nine r2d2 has a foul mouth <laughs> and like you know he's sarcastic there's there's clearly intent mm-hmm. with those sound effect noises okay um and then Alyssa knight is Eve. She was also one of the twins in Cars. Okay. One of it, the one of yeah. the little one of the cars that twin cars that painted herself and mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So she was she's apparently or was apparently like a vocal stand-in for mm-hmm. Pixar and would always, you know, obviously get replaced by like an actual voice actor or actor for the parts that she stood in for except for this one which in the end if you're manipulating the voice right (laughs) well and she says that she did not prep at all in any way for these readings Mm -hmm. because she expected to be replaced and in the end they just kept her in Mm-hmm. So I thought I thought that was interesting too. Um, and really, okay, do we need to? Well, Jeff Garland, uh, he's from. We yes. talked about him recently. He was in something else we talked about, but people know him from um, *Curb Your Enthusiasm* and, and *Arrested Development*. Right. But I, yeah, I. This is sad. I know him from the Goldbergs just because his character is hilarious in the Goldbergs. Well, he plays the he, dad who he, walks in the door every day and strips down to his underwear, <laughs> and I just think that's hilarious. So we have Jeff Garland as the captain. His name is Captain McRae, which we get from the pictures on the wall, but they never actually use his name. We never, mm-hmm. he's never identified as anything other than the captain. 
Nor do we really ever get the identification of Fred Willard's character, the by and large CEO, but his name is apparently, and I find this amusing, Shelby Forthright. So, well, I imagine we'll get to them at some point in time, but, but by and large is interesting as a corporate entity, no? Yeah, yeah. I was just going to mention that Fred Willard recently passed away. He did. Yeah. He was 86, and if you don't know him by name, he played... Um, How could you not know Fred Willard? I know, name? I know, I know. Most recently, he played Phil's father on um, Modern Family, but mostly he's from Christopher Guest films. Yeah, I was... Uh, he's just iconic. Mm-hmm. And we've talked about... Catherine O'Hara. So I'm sure mm-hmm. that we have also then talked about Fred Willard, at least in passing. Sure. Okay. Finally, we have Macintosh, which is not a human being, obviously. It is the text to speech program for the Apple Macintosh computers. And it was used for the voice of Otto, which. I must say, they did a fairly good job with Yeah, I because... kind of want to go back and hear it now after knowing that. Because it doesn't stand out like as a non, like... No. <laughs> In particular, that scene at the end where he, where the captain is attacking yeah, Otto, yeah. you can hear actual apprehension in his voice when yeah. he says, huh. Captain... Captain. So, yeah, they did, I think, a really good job with that. All right. So, I don't think we need to cover anyone really else. There's no scandals for a change. As far as we know. Yeah. I love how you always have to throw that disclaimer in, (laughs) but it's true. As far as we know, as of the date of recording... Because God only knows what can happen between now and the month that it's going to take to release this episode. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) And we start with trash and a musical sequence. Yeah, you come in from from space, don't you? I think, honestly, it was probably a bit of a parody slash homage from Contact. Okay. Because that's what it felt like to me as Contact enters the solar system and then you get you hear the sound and mm-hmm. then it starts getting closer and closer to Earth. That's what it felt like to me. Except that as we get closer and closer to Earth, we don't get our clean, pretty Earth. We get our garbage dirty, earth. nasty garbage Earth. Yeah. And it is as evidenced by the portraits on the wall of the captains and the announcement for the cupcake in a cup. Mm -hmm. 700 years after the Axiom and the rest of the fleet have been lost. So do we want to talk about the rest of the fleet now? Yes. So they were, it was meant to be a five year tour Mm -hmm. (laughs) um do you think they chose five year so that it could be like five hour 
like five hour tour. <laughs> no, okay. I, I think they chose five year because I, I, I think that that was, I don't know. It's tough to say whether or not they actually believed that they, they could, would come back, that they would come back. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was meant to be a five year tour and it ended up being 700, 700 plus. Years. Yeah. Um, in the, like, video that Wally stumbles upon at the loading docks, mm -hmm. they talk about how Axiom is the jewel of the BNL fleet. Mm -hmm. And I get the impression that the Axiom is, like, at least a business class level tour. So... How do you, would, like, what do you think the logistics of this are? I think if it's the jewel of the fleet, then it's the ship that all of the rich people ended up on, no? Well, I mean, if you think about it, like, you think about cruise lines, let's say. Okay. Maybe there's more than just B&L sending people off into space. I, I think... I, I think that's belied by the amount of, of BNL trash. Okay. Yeah. All right. So they're all BNL. So this is I think is they're like all the... BNL, and I think in the way that it's all Amazon, right? Yeah. I was thinking this was more of like Walmart, Sam's Club, Walmart. That's. <clears throat> I don't know. We have to really. We have to. Make some interesting this movie conclusions. Is like twelve years old now. It is, and and classism has only gotten worse in the last twelve right. years. Right. So, like I'm saying, if you're gonna choose who BNL is representing, I think it's more likely that it's a Walmart. That it's Walmart years ago or Costco. Than Amazon. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. So then, if the Axiom is the jewel of the fleet, then, then yes. we assume that all of the actual wealthy have already left. Yeah. Right? That's what we would assume. Do you think they're, like, the super wealthy people have their own spaceships? If we're building ships at this point in time, probably. Yeah. So I'm thinking the Axiom is, like, the upper middle class. Okay. Okay. That's my guess. Because, like, a rich person's not going to get on, like, the Walmart or Amazon no, or whatever. No, they're not. Ship, right? They're going to no, they get on, like, own. the... They're going to get on, like, the Tesla ship. Right? So, what was the name of that Matt Damon movie? Oblivion? No. Elysium oh, is okay. the one I, that I'm thinking of. Yeah. Where... The rich people already all lived in space. Mm -hmm. And I think that is a fair supposition. So if this is the Costco ship, then it is, at best, the upper middle class ship. Yeah. Yeah. So then I think about, um, I've read a decent amount of, like, um, extinction event or um, generation ship sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And in those... There's generally the people who stayed. 
Mm-hmm. And, like, in some instances, they tunneled underground or whatever. So do you think that's happening here, too? Because you have to imagine somebody stayed, like, in the Matt Damon movie. There are people. Somebody's going to be the last guy left, right? He's got to, like, throw well, the... <laughs> he's got to throw the 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 boat tie back to the guy on the deck as they go away. So if we go with the um, secret broadcast A113, right? It's Shelby forthright mm-hmm. standing there with the gas mask. Mm-hmm. Now, it appears as though he is perhaps the president of Right. Whatever. Because it looks like we have, if not... It's official looking. Right. There's official logos. Maybe even what might be passed off as a United Nations flag Mm -hmm. behind him. Mm -hmm. So I think the supposition that we're supposed to make is that at some point in time, our consumerism became officialdom. Mm-hmm. I think, too, though I don't want to touch on it too oh, much. So the the podium he's standing in front of, or behind, rather, mm-hmm. it, you can't read the bottom of it, but it says Global CEO of, and then it yeah. has the By and Large logo. And then the picture behind him, it, it's made to look like the official White House seal. Mm-hmm. Um. But it's a by and large store. Right. So. And like I it's think... meant to look like the um, press room in the White House. Right, right. But it's all by and large branded. And we've talked about this a little bit, and I don't want to go too deeply into it, but where this fits into the Pixar conspiracy is somewhat relevant because. If you believe that all of the Pixar movies are one long overarching storyline, Wally is kind of the separation from the before times Mm -hmm. where humans were actually on the planet to the after times where the bugs were able to take over the planet and then finally we had the cars. I mean, (laughs) cyclically... This is kind of the separation between the human cast and the non-human cast. Mm-hmm. But I, th- but yeah, I, I mean, I guess that's what we're supposed to assume is that he is the president of the world because he is the president of by and large. Mm-hmm. So I would like to think that where there's this axiom shift where everybody's being waited on literally hand and foot by robots and they begin to lose like like bone structure because Mm -hmm. they don't ever get out of their seats beyond the fact that like they're in space it seems like they have enough gravity on their ship to like maintain bone structure so this is a this is a well-known problem that we have in our own current space fleet the reason astronauts are not allowed to go out for more than a year or two at a time is because they lose bone density pretty quickly Mm -hmm. so 
And there's a pretty strict exercise regimen for our astronauts so that they maintain. And then... But that's because they're outside of gravity. Right. But we have some sense of that even with artificial gravity, this is something they address on Star Trek, Uh that you have to get, I want to say, injections... I feel like this was not in like Star Trek proper, but like in Voyager or what, because that the, even at artificial gravity, you're not at planetary gravity. Yeah. And so there are, there is loss of bone density over long term Mm -hmm. space travel. Okay. Do you, okay, so. I've decided, though, that in this movie, there's, like, the axiom, like, middle class, upper middle class, everybody's being weighted on hand and foot by robot ship. But then there's, like, the... (laughs) The poor ships? The poor ship, where everybody's actually having to do stuff while they're on the ship. Like... Mm Mm-hmm. So what do you think their lot was like? Well, I think after 700 years, they're probably dead. You think they didn't have oh, as many, I, like... I, <laughs> you're right, because it was only meant to be five years. It was so only they meant to be a five-year tour. No, the so technology. they wouldn't have had the mm-hmm. refreshing, everlasting buffet. Yeah. And they wouldn't have had the things that right. the Axiom did. Right. Like gravity. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You're probably right. It, it does beg the question, what happened to the rich ships... Because if we make the argument that the Axiom is the upper middle class ship, then the rich people actually went off and just found another planet. They abandoned the Earth entirely. They would They're have out known... there terraforming someplace else so, with right. Elon Musk. Yeah, exactly. Because they would have known that there was nothing to come back to. Mm-hmm. And... You say with Elon Musk, kind of tongue-in-cheek, but did you look at the lifespans of the captains? No, I didn't actually. So the first captain was captain for over 150 years. I didn't catch that. Which means that they're, yeah, they're either artificially inflated. The babies, too. Where are the babies coming from? I know. They have to be too grown, right? Well, but why would a five-year ship have the ability to because Because they had to have known. From the very beginning, they had to have known. It wasn't just dumb luck that their ship had the ability to sustain for that long. No, I don't think so. Because if you... So... Assuming that we send the ship out and we're going to clean it up and make it better on our five-year tour, when we come back, we'd also have to have all of the necessary tools and seeds. You'd have to have a mm-hmm. seed bank, right? Because you have to plant everything again. The, the whole purpose of Eve is to go and find life. Mm -hmm. And I think this is particularly noteworthy. If Wally has been on the planet for 700 years and has not yet encountered an Eve unit, 
they weren't even sending them back. Mm-hmm. So the Axiom's probably the only ship that mm-hmm. was doing that. The Axiom was the only ship that was sending them back. And I don't think it was... I mean... So Eve goes out and she searches all of the things and she does the scanning thing. I can't believe that it, they hadn't been there before that Wally wouldn't have encountered one before. Yeah. So the way I see it is um, the structure was supposed to be that ships, there were multiple ships. There's a fleet of ships, right? Mm-hmm. They say that there's a fleet of ships. There's all, the jewel of the fleet. And so they were, through some system, supposed to be sending Eves back. Because I bet you they weren't all just hanging around. No. You know? Um and so, like, as they were close to Earth, they were sending Eves out. Mm-hmm. But it seems to me that the Axiom might be the only remaining mm-hmm. ship. That's my guess. That's that, where I am with this. That's my so guess, So the only too. other human beings are the ones who tunneled under the Earth. And again, after <laughs> 700 years, we sh- well, I feel like we should have found them. Too, right? Well, they had the same self-sustaining technology, and then they created like a whole tribal system of why they don't go above, and then okay. it got lost to the. New so they've generation. become the dinosaur people now. Yeah, whatever. The the mid Earth terrifying. Haven't you ever heard of? There's this story. Um, I think it's called Dust. So there's this story, Dust, by Hugh Howey. It was originally released, it was serialized. And it's about people who go into silos after, like, uh, some kind of extinction event. And throughout the generations, it's lost to them. Like The wool what? guy? It's yeah. the same guy? Okay. Yeah, that's it. Wool is, the I believe, the whole... Um, okay. I've actually, I've not read it. I'm fairly confident I own it, but I have not actually, because I'm kind of disillusioned on fiction these days. It's really hard for me to, yeah. especially right now. Yeah. But, yeah, so Dust is a part of the Wool Trilogy. Got it. Okay. Okay. So it is Wool, and they live underground. Got it. Got it. Got it. So I'm thinking just the same way that, like, these people don't realize it's, it was supposed to be a five-year trip, right? Mm-hmm. Same way. And they've forgotten that there's a pool. <laughs> you know? Like, it's the same kind of thing. Like, as generationally you're removed from it, you... Well, and when Mary says that, it's... I wonder if she's been there is kind of the thing. Because nobody actually ever even gets into the pool. We have all of the guys... I mean, they're all so buried on their screens, mm-hmm. which, considering this movie was made in 2012, does seem somewhat prescient. 2008, no? actually. 2008. Well, then even more so. Yeah. <clears throat> this movie is pretty prescient about our right. screen attachment and devotion because these people, man, they're not, they don't interact with each other. They're, they float their entire lives on these hover rafts. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. They don't touch. They don't have sex. Because I'm telling you, those babies come from tubes. Okay. They have to. Yeah. Because when John and Mary's hands touch, that's like a yeah. big thing for right. both of them. Which tells me that there is literally no human connection between any of these people. Right. Other than what appears on their screens. Mm-hmm. Ah, <sighs> sad commentary, right? And it just gets more depressing from there, really. So, let's talk about Wally. Do we think he's sentient? Yeah. He's sentient, and he is basically infecting everyone else with Seems his sentient. Like it. Yeah, I mean that's that's really Although, the way I take it. It feels like the robots on the ship had some amount of sentience, right? Like, so you're saying that the way you're interpreting the movie is Wally is sentient, and when he comes across the other robots, he gives them sentience. Well, he certainly gives them something. Yeah. I mean, and we we see it progressively with all of his various and assorted interactions. Mm -hmm. So we start with Eve, because... Well, even before Eve, you can tell from his interactions with his world like right. with his collections and I love the scene where he goes to put the spork away and he doesn't know if he should put it with the spoons or the forks so he puts it between so he puts it in the middle yeah he has a natural sense of curiosity yeah he would and he never... has a friend right and he has a friend he is afraid at mm-hmm. points when when he Almost gets crushed by the ship, Mm -hmm. and then when Eve almost shoots him, Mm -hmm. there are definitely moments where it's obvious that he feels fear. After 700 years alone on the planet, and he's been alone for a long time, because we can tell from all of the other dead Wallies that are just scattered around the place. So do you think he survived because he had gained sentience? I think... Like, he knows to charge himself and take care of himself. Right. There's got to be something there that's given him the ability to self-care. Yeah. Where the other robots weren't able to Where the other robots didn't have that. Yeah. And then his interaction... So, we see it with Eve a little bit. You know, obviously they start acting interacting she laughs at the bug Mm -hmm. there's some stuff there but i think the biggest moment for me is when mo steps off the path Mm -hmm. and that's because of wally like Mm -hmm. he consciously he looks at the path he looks at the dirt he -hmm. goes should i leave the path Mm -hmm. and the moment in which he does where he leaps off there's a whole like flash of recognition mm-hmm. in little Mo's eyes about yeah. how he could have done that before. Or like when Ro- when Wally frees all the broken robots. Mm-hmm. And they they go and lift mm-hmm. him up as mm-hmm. the robot savior, right? Mm-hmm. Like Right. There's some real recognition from those Bernie, 
does it too when mm-hmm. he gets stuck outside mm-hmm. and gets mad. And you can see that flash of mad mm-hmm. that didn't happen, that, that hadn't existed before. Before Wally, yeah. No, because they were all so routinely oriented. Mm-hmm. And it took... But he even gives it to the the humans too because he does. Like he comes into interaction with John and Mary mm-hmm. and he's like that's their eyes opening. It's the reason why they start behaving differently, why right. they interact with each other. It's kind of like <clears throat> Pleasantville. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And and the infection of color. Yeah. Even the robot who's just pushing the button Wally yeah. waves at him, yep. and, and then he, he starts looks at his flapping. Hand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his little red eye looks at his hand. Right. There's, and you can see, in equal measure, the resistance yeah. to that from Otto. Yeah. And from the little what's Otto's oh. sidekick? Yeah. It, it's a name that, as soon as you say it, it makes so much sense because it's that's how all the robots' names are. Gopher. <laughs> it's Gopher. G O dash four. Gopher. G O dash four. Yeah. So, like, while Wally can give them like sentience, it doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be on his side. No. Right. Or that they'll choose it. Mm-hmm. Now, in the case of Otto, it does feel as though... He, he may have had that previously, too. Well, he has something that has allowed him to make choices for the ship. Yeah. Since he got that announcement from Shelby Forthright. So I would say that that just kind of um, proves the theory that that existed in this world. Mm-hmm. So the technology was there to give a robot that, and somehow Wally acquired it. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd ha- I don't want to call Otto, like, nefarious or bad, because at the end of the day, I do think he, th- he thinks... He's, he's acting he's in the best interest of humanity. Yeah. I would agree. I don't think he's bad. He's doing what he's supposed to do. He's doing what he's supposed to do because he But not in like believes. the Nazi way. No. <laughs> Which feels like a relevant question these days, no? Right, right. But I do he does the order that he was given in directive A113 is that the earth was unrecoverable. Yeah. That and he's he, trying to protect his crew or his um his people. In, in, right. in his view, he is doing his best to keep the people of the Axiom alive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, it it seems like a mutiny, but there is some real nuance there because I do think Otto thinks he's acting in the best interest of the ship. Okay. So, okay, we've not we, we've not really addressed the plot at I, all. There isn't a whole lot of plot to there this isn't. movie. I mean, we've talked about what essentially happens. It's not a super plot-heavy movie, and I, like, 
I like this movie a lot, but I struggled to watch it because it doesn't have dialogue. And so I'm always doing 101 things while I'm watching movies. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I find myself not paying attention because I'm not even listening to the dialogue. Well, so when I watch, for at least one of my reviews, when we Mm -hmm. do one of these, I do it on my tablet. So you can't be doing something else? So I can't be doing something else. that's smart. I have to sit there and hold it on my lap or hold it in my hands Mm -hmm. so that I can, and I'm blind as a bat anyhow. So it gives me the opportunity to stare at it six inches away. So if only you had like a hollow screen in front of you. (laughs) No, actually, I really, I don't think that I want the hollow screen (laughs) in front of me. And a completely liquid diet. Right. (laughs) Birthday, cupcake in a cup, because that sounds super appealing. Like a cupcake milkshake. I'm still not. Oh, man. Cupcake, like birthday cake ice cream? Is not. Well, no, because I have, I, honestly, the longer I am gluten-free, the less the, you need it. The more gluten things really kind of... Don't ch- appeal. Don't appeal. Except for, I have to say, raised glazed donuts. <laughs> I, I would possibly give part of a limb for a good gluten-free raised glazed donut. I can get so cake a, donuts. A but... gluten-free yeast donut. Yes. Okay. They just, they don't make them. Um, There's nothing quite like that yeasty, fluffy, donutiness. We have a uh, fancy cupcake, or we have multiple fancy donut restaurants. We have talked about your fancy donut restaurants before. And they both do gluten-free on specific days. But but I think it's just a cake donut. It's just a cake donut. Trust me, this is is my mission in life, is a gluten-free, yeasty donut. Because they just don't make them. Because there's nothing like flour that puffs up in that way to... Huh. I'm going to keep an eye out for it. Do, do. Because I, I, I've, I've been able to find or make even things like churros. Because that's at least a batter. Yeah. And can be... I, I've had gluten-free churros that are... Almost as good as a full-on gluten, but no, donuts, donuts are the final frontier when it comes to gluten-free. But regardless, cupcake milkshake just doesn't sound appealing to me because I hear it and think, oh, well, that's going to have me on the toilet for the next three days. (laughs) I like the idea of a cupcake milkshake, personally. Well, I'm sure you could probably conspire to <laughs> there's there's gotta be like some Ben and Jerry's oh yeah confetti sure. cake ice cream or something definitely I'm sure I'm, I'm sure of it okay um so let's see we have Wally doing his thing cannibalizing the other Wallies. Then Eve shows up and they look at the collection 
and then he shows her the plant, which is when she goes into lockdown, basically. Mm-hmm. And then he takes care of her. And then he takes care of her. I love when she gets to see that. Oh, yeah. That's so... It's, it's a pretty sweet moment, I think. And there's something about them both figuring out the hand-holding thing mm-hmm. that's very sweet. So then they leave Earth. And I like how Wally tells the roach that he has to stay. Is very pointedly clear about <laughs> you can't come because you will die out there. I wonder... It, it looks like they travel a ways, right? Obviously, they go past Saturn, where yeah. he... Mm-hmm. Well, because they the have sun. to go to, like, warp speed when they return. Right. So how long do you think they were out there for? <laughs> I mean... How far out there did they get in 700 years? That really is the question. Yeah. How far out did they get? Could they have stopped someplace else? I mean, there really are... There are a lot of questions there. And does that all come down to Otto's mismanagement? Hmm. Because obviously after the directive, the captains weren't in charge anymore. Yeah. yeah. McCray even says it when he when we meet him for the first time and he goes around and does his thing... And, and he's mad that you didn't get woken up for morning announcements, because mm-hmm. honestly, that's the only, only thing, thing I get to do yeah. around here. Yep, because he's chucking everything, and everything's <clears throat> unchanged. And another question there would be, is it always been unchanged, or has Otto just been managing it? Yeah. Lots of questions, because we know that I mean, because Gopher obviously steals the plant from Eve at yeah. some point in time before they get up to Captain's quarters. Right. Because it's obvious that Otto wants to send her back as malfunctioned. Mm-hmm. And then it's Gopher who puts the plant in the escape pod and blows it up. Mm-hmm. So they're obviously working together in some vast robot conspiracy. (laughs) In robot cahoots. In robot cahoots. Now, we assume that this hasn't happened before, but that's only an assumption because Wally is one Wally in what we assume is North America. Mm -hmm. But if we were looking for plant life... That's probably not the first place on the planet where it would have been found. Right. There probably would have been other Eves that yeah. have found life oh, in yeah, other places. Oh, yeah, that's a good places. point. Yeah. And that they got stopped. And they must have been stopped. Hmm. You bring up an interesting point. I mean, after 700... So, when the ship comes back, and it had a name, and I can't remember, but... It's obviously when it it's it's docked back into the ship. There's this whole protocol here. Mm-hmm. I feel like this has happened before. Okay. And the only thing that was different 
was, was Wally. Wally. Yeah, you're right. I think you're right. You make a very good point. I did not think about that. I mean, I just, I can't imagine them going to, say, South America or Southeast Asia and not being able to find a plant after 700 years. Right. There's got to be something, like some amount of the rainforests or the jungles or... Well, I mean, you're a fan of dystopians. You know how fast the Earth can come back. Uh, it happened the last six months. Right. You know? Like, how many people did you hear talking about, like, deer Mm -hmm. in their neighborhoods like crazy, like they hadn't been before, you know? There's been a distinct drop in in pollution in India in particular. Yeah. There's been all kinds of... I, I mean, and... Skip over, you know, the dolphins in the Venice Channel that, right. you know, were faked. <laughs> the actual wildlife, the right. actual, I mean, growth, I just, I can't see it not have come back in 700 years. Yeah, there's in something. 700 I mean... years, the rainforest would have taken it all back over, right. and you wouldn't have even been able to tell that humans were there at all. Right. So, yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. This has all happened before. I think And the right. only reason this is different this time is because of Wally. Mm-hmm. So, okay. We have, uh, I mean, we've basically talked about the whole <laughs> movie Yeah, I mean, point. The only thing I wanted to, like, add was I absolutely, so, uh, I, this is such a hard thing to explain, but I really like space as an aesthetic. <laughs> Stars okay. are my favorite shape. <laughs> And so I really, like, so I went and saw the second Thor, right? Is it the okay. second one? Or does he, it must be the second one. I so I went and saw the second Thor movie by myself, and my takeaway from it was that it was just really pretty, and all the space scenes were just really pretty, and everybody should go see it because it was really pretty. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I love the scenes in space with Wally and Eve. <clears throat> dancing. Yeah. Yeah, I love Computer that, too. Like that little scene. Dancing. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. they come by. So that was Alan Menken who wrote that particular sequence. And okay. It's one of my favorites. It's actually on my Spotify playlist because it is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And I... It, I I agree with the aesthetic and the style of it, man, and watching its play. Mm -hmm. And there, too, I think you really get to see Wally as a sentient creature Mm -hmm. because there's this sense of curiosity and fun that he brings to everything that he does. Yeah. It's powerful 
And, like, just on the way that this movie looks, for a movie that was made 12 years ago, it looks really good. And I think that's mostly to do with the fact that it primarily focuses on robots. And the humans that it does have in it are, like, not meant to look like real humans. So right? The Incredibles was just four years before. Yeah. And we've talked before, when we reviewed that movie, mm-hmm. about how unrealistic they were as human mm-hmm. characters. But that still car- that carries over to the rest of the animation style, too. Mm-hmm. The... I, I'm assuming the technology that was used then between 2004 and 2008 evolved to a place where we are now, I mean, because yeah, Wally's aged well. Mm-hmm. It looks impeccable still. Right. So like issues with story aside, it's aged far better than Bolt. Oh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Here's another one for you. I recently found on Tubi, like, so fucking excited about it. I, I, I woke Brett up to tell him, guess what I just found on Tubi? I found Beast Wars from... Did you never... Okay, so this no. Beast Wars was a Transformer series. Oh, it was like... Yeah, okay. I yeah, so this was about. 19... 96 to 98, I think. Okay. And it was my, like, no lie, I was late to class <laughs> on a number of occasions because I couldn't pull myself away from the TV because I was, and I was in high school. Yeah, I was going to say, aren't you a little old for that? Right. No, so... So I, I'm like, okay, I got to go back and watch it. It's visually very difficult to watch. Yeah. Like, and it's Transformers. So the first thing you have to get over is that they all say their names 12,000 times. Yeah. And they all activate and blah, blah, blah. I mean, that part, that's always there. The plot, though, of it was good enough that I was like, I'd like to come back for this. But I can only watch a couple episodes at a time yeah. because the tech of it in 1996 was so bad, <laughs> so bad. And this is, this is computer animation. Uh-huh. So in a decade, the progress that we made in computer animation has yeah. brought, brought us to Wally. Yeah. And yes, on my little tiny screen, six inches away from my eyeballs as I was watching it today, it's just gorgeous mm-hmm. still. The color is amazing. The way it moves is amazing. And the emotion, obviously, I mean, we're talking about the sentient robot making all of the other robots and humans wake up to the world around them. Mm-hmm. That requires some emotion on the screen to be transmitted through pixels, basically. Right. And that was here, here. Mm-hmm. So, I think, and I think it will continue to do well. Not all of, you're right about the, incre- we're right on with the Incredibles, Bolt. Mm-hmm. But I think some of the later ones will not 
age quite as well either. Like, I already see some problems with the good dinosaur, mm -hmm. and I just don't know that those are going to stand the test of time. Cars. Cars is another one. Mm -hmm. You think of, like, Doc and Lightning McQueen... And they've done okay, but 20 years from now, they'll mm -hmm. all be really old as cars cars, too, mm -hmm. right? We probably won't have flying cars, because I can't imagine trying to license people for flying <laughs> cars. I was having this conversation on a podcast the other day where we were talking about the Back to the Future cars, mm -hmm. and I'm like, can you imagine the logistical nightmare of trying right. to license these fuckers mm -hmm. for... Flying cars? God, no. Right. But all that is, even if the cars aren't flying, they're going to look so significantly different mm -hmm. from what Lightning McQueen, who still looks fairly decent for, like, a Mustang, probably, or, you know. Yeah. But it won't age particularly well. Whereas I still think that this one will. Mm-hmm. I agree. Okay. So do we have anything else? I mean, we've talked we've talked about by and large, more or less. We've talked about Otto and the ship. Do we have anything else we really need to cover? <sighs> the one thing I wonder is um, how the inclusion of the Hello Dolly parts um works for kids it doesn't seem to bother my son because they're just happy songs mm -hmm. but i think it can mean it it has a different meaning for people who are familiar with it i guess well i mean it's old theater hack right so uh -huh. apparently a friend was telling me there is a muppet ver muppets do hamilton Okay. <laughs> Which I am now dying I to, to watch. That? Uh, yeah, I, I don't know where she saw it. Well, you gotta let me know. I when know. I find it, I will let you know because, <laughs> right? Because Muppets do Hamilton is like, I'm there for yeah. that. But, but yeah, I. It helps that we're theater geeks, I think, mm -hmm. and can identify Hello Dolly and that sequence. And mm -hmm. but I don't think, I don't think the kids really care. It doesn't matter. I don't think it matters to them. They don't mm -hmm. know what it is. They just recognize it as an old timey movie, mm -hmm. and it's fine. Yeah. It. It's certainly one of the least problematic musicals from that era. I mean, could have chosen something from Guys and Dolls or The Music yeah. Maker, right? Yeah. <laughs> I think there's very little in this movie that's, uh, shall we say, cancelable. Sure. The humans on the Axiom appear to be diverse to an extent. Okay, so I'm looking at some pictures of the crowds on the Axiom, and it is 
multicolored. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll feel slightly better about that then. All of the mains were white, but... Yeah. Not that there were many. No. Three. I think there was diversity in the captains, too. I believe the second captain was an Asian woman. And I feel like one of the later captains, yeah, might have been dark-skinned. There was, yep. There was an Asian woman and a darker-skinned captain. I, I don't think he was black, but he was darker-skinned. I like how they get Indian. fatter. Yeah. <laughs> They do, so... so Yeah, the first captain was captain from 2105 to 2248. So so he he was captain from their maiden voyage, so we have to assume he was at least in his 30s, if not older. So we're saying then that humans live for 200 years now? Is that what we're saying? The second captain was captain from 2248 to 2379. So over a hundred years. And the third captain was 2380 to 2520. So another 150 years. And again, I'm sure they're not taking over, you know, from babies. Right. And they probably don't serve until they die. Although, not that they're doing anything. (laughs) So I wonder how one becomes the captain of the Axiom on a lifetime on a generation ship on a generation ship yeah i don't know what what does what qualifies one to become the captain right it's just how they're created in their tube well and here's another one for you you've got the kids not not the babies but the slightly older kids in nursery school mhm but we can see that McCray has some problems reading. Mm-hmm. He can't. He doesn't it, know what a manual is. He Manuel. calls it Manuel. <laughs> he calls it a Manuel. So obviously we are teaching them reading to an extent. But on screens and not on right, books. Right, but not on books because he had to be he shown. He doesn't know what a book is. He didn't know what a book was. Otto had to actually open it and turn the first page for him. Yeah, it, it, it really does beg the question, What's what are they educating these kids for? Because if you're being weighted on hand and foot by robots and all you're doing is floating around on an inflatable raft, mm-hmm. you, what do you need to know? Right. And for what purpose do you need to know it? Right. And if all of that is true... What is existence? Fuck. And on that note, we're done, y'all. I mean, seriously. I don't know. This movie has always really been very poignant for me in the questions that that arise from it. Mm -hmm. When they get off the ship and you see at the end all of the little plants that have Mm -hmm. sprung up. So obviously they know enough to re-educate themselves in some way. Mm-hmm. To start making 
motion and progress towards planting and growing and taking care of the earth. And if you watch the credit sequence, they go farther. There's city yeah. repairs. There's fishing. There's fishing. They're they're actually doing the work of building a civilization again. Mm-hmm. So it's all there. Right. It's just fundamentally out of use mm-hmm. in the time that they've been catered to on this ship. Right. And I guess that is the fundamental argument of this movie, right? That mm-hmm. we are losing our ability to think for ourselves by allowing the machines to do it for us. And that's a rant from Briar. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> hey, since I'm ranting, I feel it's worth noting at this point in time that I have a new podcast coming called somewhat ironically enough, Ask Briar, (laughs) where people come on and ask me questions about business and life and the universe. And I apparently rant at them for a few minutes and then tell stories. And I do it all live over on YouTube. And it's going to be a fantastic time. I'm really looking forward to it. You should join me on my YouTube channel if you are interested (laughs) in that one. Okay. Do you got anything else? I don't have anything else. Okay. Do your kids like this movie? Oh my god, my kids love this movie. Yeah, my kid likes this movie too. My All of my children will watch this movie when it is on. Yep. And it is on at least five times a week at my house because it's one of the three-year-old's favorites. Okay. He particularly likes all of the Hello Dolly sequences. <laughs> You have to watch Hello, Dolly with him. Yes, we have to watch Hello, Dolly. I don't think he'd like Hello, Dolly, but I'm going to have to you give never it a try. Know. I nev- you never you know. You never know. Okay. So, I don't know if this one was ever really made into a Halloween costume, but certainly feel free to wear it. I'm sure there's like an Eve. There probably or is Wally an Eve. Wally costume. Perhaps. I've seen boxes made into Wally, yeah. I feel like. Yeah. This is perhaps a great homemade Halloween costume, and those are really the best kind, as far yeah. as I'm concerned. All right. Out of five. Give it to me. I think this is a four. Hmm. This is a solid five for me. Yeah. This is... I, I actually think this might be my favorite Pixar movie. Five, I I need a five to be a musical. I know. I, I, I knew that was coming. <laughs> I knew that was coming. That it's not a five for you because there aren't any musical numbers. <laughs> so funny. Okay. Hey, at least I'm consistent. <laughs> I have no idea what we'll be doing next time. We haven't figured it out yet because that's about how we roll these days. I swear yep. I'm going to put up another poll or something because at this point I'm like, no, I don't know what we should mm-hmm. do. Do you know what we should do? No, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> neither one of us know. We picked this one because it was the one that was on most frequent rotation in my household at this time. <laughs> so it's a surprise. You'll know when we know, I guess. You'll know when you know. Hey, thank you for liking our Facebook page. I think we have like three new fans this week. Way to it's go. very exciting. Go us. I, right? 
You can find us on Facebook and Instagram where we post occasionally at Latchkey Movies. Um, if you have complaints or comments, you can give us a call 402-885-4875 or you can email us latchkeymovies at gmail.com. Finally, if you would like to contribute to our overwhelming back-end costs, they're not that much. It's just website hosting. But you can send us a cup of coffee. That's ko-fi.com slash briar. And we will see y'all next time. Bye!